Well, good evening. A little bit different in here as we uh, are in here together to study God's Word together during this hour. What normally would be in our Bible classes, and as Tim alluded to, we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a moment. I think it would be good for all of us together to get a full picture of where we are in our Bible classes. One thing about a passage beginning in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, the Hebrew writer there is talking about faith and how important faith is. So much so that he says without faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. And so when we're thinking about our life and we're thinking about our relationship with him, our desire, our number one desire should be to please God. That's what we want. We want in every aspect of our life, we want to be pleasing to God. We want to do what pleases Him, and we want to steer clear of what displeases Him. So when we run across a passage as simple as that one, that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, that tells me very simply, my faith has to be right. Because I want to be pleasing to God. And so you take the simplicity of a passage like that, and you combine it, really, with the simplicity of another passage, like the one in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Again, another very simple passage that now helps me to understand where that faith that I need to please God is going to come from. It is brought about, it is grown, it is matured, Through God's word, my gaining and its understanding and its knowledge and the wisdom of it, the more I study it, the more faith I can have in God and the more pleasing I can be to him. And so for us, that is a very simple way to think about what is that preachers get up and so often will say, we've got to study our Bible. I don't apologize for saying that, and I don't know how many times in the past, in the five and a half years that I've been here, I've said that, and that's been a point of application in a Bible class or a sermon that I have given, but I certainly don't apologize for any of those times, and I promise you it will show up again, because it is the key to our relationship with God. It is a heavy component to our communication with It's him speaking to us. And in order for me to have a close, intimate, personal relationship with God, I have to be willing to listen to him. That's what study is all about. And so we think about different aspects of that. Our individual study is super important. I've got to be individually studying my Bible. I've got to be individually reading my Bible at home. I've got to be studying my Bible. I've got to be growing in that way. But there are other opportunities of study that is is here in front of us. We have each and every Lord's Day as part of our worship, even as we see uh, exemplified for us in the pages of the New Testament, that during our worship, God's Word is open. It is expounded upon by myself or John or another one of the men here. And that is another important opportunity of study, of growth, that is different than your own personal, individual study. But even another opportunity is given to us. That every Sunday morning, 
And every Wednesday night, the elders have put forth in front of us another opportunity. And we've got to be taking advantage of it because it's unique. It's different. It's different than my study that I do all by myself at home. It's different even than my study that I may have with my family. It's different than the study that takes place as I'm standing up here preaching and you are there participating. It's different even than that. When we are in our classrooms and we're able to dig in in a smaller group setting with discussion and application and principles, an incredible opportunity that we simply cannot miss. And so I want us for a few minutes tonight to get a good picture of all of the things that are happening here at Traders Point in the midst of our Bible classes. Now, we're going to talk about our Bible classes. It's really interesting here at Traders Point, as a lot of you know. It, certainly, if you're visiting with us, we're certainly welcome to have you, and we're excited to have you. And this may be somewhat informative for you, but we have Bible classes every Sunday and every Wednesday. And each of those days, we have 13 different classes that are meeting in this building. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, 13 different classes. And we have around, give or take, about 30 teachers that are studying, that are working each and every trimester, getting those classes put together. And so when we think about those 13 classes, it covers all ages. 12 to 24 months, 2 and 3-year-olds, 4 and 5-year-olds, kindergarten, 1st grade, 2nd and 3rd grade, 4th and 5th grade, a middle school class, 6th, 7th and 8th grade, a high school class, ninth through 12th grade, and we have 5 adult classes. And so for a a, a time here, I think it would be beneficial because as Tim made mention of, whether we're a a child in one of these classes or in middle school or in high school or in one of the adult classes, you are but one person. And you are in but one class. And there then are 12 other classes going on where good Bible teaching is happening, great discussion is happening, great points of application and principles being made that I thought for a few minutes tonight we'll try to cover all of them. And so unlike normal preaching, when we get up here and I've got three points to share with you, tonight I have about 50, maybe 40. We're going to do them very quickly. With the... uh, Middle school classes, the high school classes, the adult classes, I reached out to all of the teachers in those classes, and every single one of them responded. And the question was simple, what's happening in your class? What are some simple points of principle and application that you guys have covered? And there was some really good stuff that they sent back to me, thoughtful things, and I'd like to share some of those things with you tonight. But before that, let's talk about our kids' classes. Our kids' classes here is set up in really a unique way. It's something that I really like. I actually like it a lot for the most part, except for the very, very youngest. All of our kids' classes are really covering the same type of material, the same place biblically. Now, their material is set up a bit different because their applications and principles are going to be different. But for the most part, they're all in the same place. And so you may have multiple children in multiple different classes, but generally speaking, they're all going to be covering the same thing. And so for our kids' classes right now, this trimester, they're at the very end of the Old Testament, 
getting ready to move in to the New Testament. That hasn't happened yet. I believe that'll happen actually on Sunday. But really what you have here is they're studying from the prophets to the Gospels. And they've covered books like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Jonah, the minor prophets, books like Daniel, several lessons on Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Haggai, Zechariah, all of these books have been covered towards the very end of the Old Testament. And what I was able to find as I broke into one of those classrooms and rummaged around until I could find a binder or a syllabus or some work that's being done, I made a huge mess in one of the rooms. It would be like an Easter egg hunt on Sunday when you figure out which one that is. I'll give you a hint. It's fairly close to my office. For you that are down on that end of the building. But in their binder, one of the binders that I found, they had some objectives. It was really interesting to go through. I'm going to share a couple of those with you. In the midst of these studies with all of our kids, they're talking about things like this. The importance to praise God. And this is what I love. You know, I'm a big alliteration guy. And there's a huge point of alliteration here. You praise God for his protection. You praise God for his plan. You praise God for his power. And you praise God for his promises. All of those are heavy pieces of application in this part of the Bible. Secondly, you trust in God to help when you are afraid. book of Daniel, in a lot of ways, we'll talk more about that here in just a minute because that's what we're studying in the high school class. But you trust in God to help when you're afraid. Something else I saw is that true strength and true courage comes from our faith in God. What an important lesson that is, not just for our kids, but for all of us when we're thinking about those kinds of things. And then finally, faith in God is believing in God's power to save even when it looks impossible. The great lesson that is. You see that really throughout Scripture, but you really begin to see that here as God's people are coming back to his land. They are establishing themselves once again in Jerusalem, readying for Jesus, as our kids will be here in the next several weeks. Powerful lessons. And and as parents, you need to be looking at those things. You need to be looking at those lessons. And you need to be knowing where your kids are so that you can reiterate some of these things as we continue to work through. And so that's where our kids are. The back end of the Old Testament, getting ready for the book of Matthew primarily moving into the life of Jesus. In the middle school class, they're talking about worship, prayer, and the home. And it's split up into kind of three parts. I was told 10 lessons on worship, 11 lessons on prayer, and 11 lessons on the home. Well, the teacher sent me a couple of things. I want you to listen to one thing that they had. I'm going to share with you uh, one of the things that the kids had done in that class as well. Listen to what I was sent. In John chapter 4, verse 24, we learn that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth said this verse was foundational in our study of worship. It should be foundational in the way we approach worship every week. We, sh- we see worship throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. While the manner of worship differs, we are worshiping the same God, and we are called to worship him from our hearts in spirit and in truth. 
It goes on to say that even when we aren't the ones delivering the sermon or leading the prayer or leading in the singing, we are still called to be active participants in worship. What a great lesson that is. That includes taking notes, being aggressive listeners, singing from our hearts, participating in public prayers with humility and focus. And that's a sermon right there, right? What an impressive thing that that would be. We studied the roles of men and women in worship. And during the worship review, this was something that several of the students pointed back to. So something that they learned will be read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and they discuss how the church is a body with many members, and each member has a unique role. We looked then at examples of women serving God throughout the scriptures and discussed how those roles are different. No one role is more important than another. Then they spent a little time on prayer. And this is what I want to share with you, especially if you're parents of kids in the middle school class. What an incredible exercise that this was. So as we started our first lesson on prayer by asking the students to list four reasons that we need God. Simple question. Four reasons we need God. Here's the list that they came up with. We need God. Here are the reasons. Hope of heaven. Motivation to live. Eternal life. He has power over everything. He gives order. He gives knowledge. He gives life. He gives strength. He gives all good things. Forgiveness. He brings comfort. He provides guidance. What an incredible list that is. But here's the point that I love. When he said that we started our first lesson on prayer by asking the students to listen, list four reasons we need God, and the kids generated a great list He said that we doubled, we doubled as a list of reasons to praise and thank God when we go to him in prayer. What a great point that is. We think about all the ways in which we need God. It also provides us things in which we can praise him for and thank him for. They study from Luke chapter 18. The Pharisee and the tax collector discuss the attitude that we have to have when we pray discussed our reliance on God, humility, faithfulness, thankfulness, confidence, boldness, and being fervent or sincere. In the high school class, a class that I'm teaching with Matt and with Andrew, we're studying the books of Daniel and Revelation. We have finished the book of Daniel. We've just started the book of Revelation here in the last couple of classes. And so when we think about the book of Daniel, for us in our class, in the high school class, the main thing that we stayed focused on from the very beginning of that book to the very end of that book is to understand that God is in control. He's in control over all things. Yeah, he's in control of our own lives, absolutely. And he's in control when we are facing difficult situations, even impossible-looking situations. God is always in control. But something else you see in the book of Daniel is he is in control in the world. He even rules in the kingdoms of men. That his hand of control is in every piece of the pie. Not just our piece of the pie, which it is, but every piece of the pie. And as we're digging into the book of Revelation, one thing that we continue to remind all of those kids in the high school class, and if you were in my Daniel Revelation class last trimester that Mark and I was teaching, one thing that we kept reminding us that we've been reminding these kids as we studied, don't be afraid of books like Daniel Revelation. There are things there that we can grab hold of. 
strong lessons of application, much like this one here of the fact that God is in control. One of the adult classes, the book of Psalms, this is what the teacher had to say about this class. He says, in the Psalms class, we've talked a lot about the fact that how the Psalms are put together is intimately connected to what they are saying. Understanding repetition, poetic style, groupings, all aid in our understanding of what the psalmist is saying and what God wants us to take from them. We've also talked a lot about the passion and raw emotion seen in the Psalms and how those examples should encourage us to incorporate incorporate our own God-given emotions into our prayers. We recently discussed God's power and character. We talked about how our relationship with God would change if he wasn't perfect in every way or if his attributes were not infinite. We would have a hard time trusting him. We would question if he would remember us. We might question if he forgot about a promise he made a long time ago or if he were too busy to help us in our time of need. But we know that we can trust him and depend on him 100%. Yet somehow we still seem to have trust issues, even though we know we shouldn't. The Psalms remind us that we can and should have confidence in God. He's always there for his people. The book of Psalms is a long book. In a lot of ways, to me, that was a pretty well-said kind of diagram of that book, to understand that God is always there for us, that he's always ready and he's always willing to listen. In the practical living class, Job, Jonah, Ecclesiastes, uh, the point that's being made here specifically about this class and in a lot of ways was this, We've been using the following framework to spurn discussion. The book of Job is about trusting God in the midst of suffering. Glimpses of Jesus that God is always good. A couple of points have been brought up in the class discussion is that as men we should strive to live as Job 31 to complement the Proverbs 31 woman. Practical thoughts, the value of wisdom and where and how we can obtain wisdom and understanding. They've had some discussions on Satan's view of suffering and trials and and how he can use that as a weapon to discourage us and make us doubt versus uh, as we as humans view it. Unfair, permanent, impossible to overcome versus to how God views it, which is how we should view it. As with everything we study, the power of God is unmistakably evident. The more we discuss, the more evident it becomes. Just a couple more, and we're going to make a point about all of it. In the Egypt Sinai class, Exodus and Numbers specifically, they've talked a lot about God's provision. Moses went from being unsure of himself, questioning his ability to represent God, to facing Pharaoh, to performing miracles on God's behalf, and, and leading the people in God's plan. God provided food, water, security along their journey. We've made application and much the same. God will provide in every way for us as well. We should trust God in our journey in life, whether it is with relationships, work, family, or everyday living. They've talked a lot about God's providence. It's an interesting passage in Exodus chapter 13 that God directed Israelites away from the areas of the Philistines knowing there was unrest and war there. God understood that the people might change their mind, and we discussed the idea that the Israelites never knew that God directed them in the longer route. 
Other examples considered, Moses went from being a prince in Egypt to an exile, working for his father and uh, father-in-law, tending the flocks for 40 years to being a leader of God's people. So many examples of this throughout the text. God is active. He's ever-present in our lives. And that should help us to navigate our own journey in life. The divided kingdom and the minor prophets in that study specifically. God is faithful to keep his promise. He preserves the line of David and blesses all nations while the leaders of Israel and Judah are caught up in sin and wickedness. Human nature is for us to believe we can direct our own steps. With great power, this becomes more evident in the kings of both Israel and Judah. The study has made it evident that in order for God to direct our lives, we must fully surrender our heart to him. The teacher says that one item they want to cover more in the remaining weeks is the contrast between earthly kings and Christ the king. And then finally, the book of Proverbs, as well as the book of uh, Song of Solomon that they have studied as well. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 2, so many times we look at wisdom as things that we read, but it's clear from this passage that just like grace, wisdom is something that must be received. Reception means listening with a full heart and taking it in for, the, for use. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord will never get close to understanding how we should live this life without a proper perspective of who we are in relation to God. And talking about the book of Song of Solomon, I know that's been a big part of what they've studied over the last couple of weeks. One of the teachers said the main thing that stuck out to me as far as studying the Song of Solomon as part of the overall Proverbs class, uh, the syllabus is set up to go through Song of Solomon as part of a broader discussion on the sexual relationship. But it was, it was awesome seeing the love and passion the main characters had for each other. In class, we really tried to emphasize the point that we can choose to see our spouse in the most positive of ways possible. The connection with our spouse grows deep if we choose to see them from that way. They go on to say the Song of Solomon shows us God's design for sexual fulfillment and the wonderful gift it is within the marriage boundaries. Our focus and love should be 100% toward our spouse, and their focus should be 100% on us. And if we are focused as we should be, then there will be no distractions that might lead us away from our spouse. Now, I want us to think about all of that just for a second. When I was reading all of those things over the last couple of days, there seemed to be one thing that continued to rise to the surface. Lots of other things were talked about for sure. But there was really one thing that continued to to rise to the surface, and it really was striking to me. Whether it was from any of the kids' classes as they're talking about books like Jeremiah or books like Daniel or books like Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, whether it's in the middle school classes they're talking about worship or in the high school classes we've talked about the books of Daniel or in any of our adult classes, whether the book of Psalms or the book of Job or the book of Exodus or Numbers or in the talking about the divided kingdom or in the book of Proverbs. Nearly every single thing that I ran across when I was reading through all of those is the importance of trusting in God. It's a remarkable thing to think about. And the more and more I thought about it this week, everything hinges on that. Everything hinges on that. We trust in God that he's going to protect us. We trust God that he'll keep us safe. We trust God that he'll keep his promises. 
We trust God that he'll show us the path. We trust God in all of those ways. And if we can trust God, to me, here's the key. Trusting in God is what leads us to a life of courage and confidence. And that's what got me thinking about what our theme is this trimester. I mean, our theme this trimester is being a soldier of Christ. And a soldier has to operate with courage, with bravery. He has to operate that way because we are at war. And war can be scary. And war can seem dangerous. And war can seem impossible. But an understanding that if I trust God... There's nothing scary. There's certainly nothing impossible. And so I think collectively, whether we have known it or not, we as a congregation in all of the classes that we've had from January till now, we've been talking about the importance of trusting in God. And for me, the takeaway is absolutely that. You lean on God, and you lean on him completely. You lean on him fully. And when difficult things arise, which certainly they will, we've talked about a lot of those things in these Bible classes. You can overcome those things. Did Daniel have difficult things that he had to deal with? Sure. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have difficult things that they had to deal with? Sure. Did Esther have different difficult things she had to deal with? Did Moses have difficult things he had to deal with? Did David have difficult things that he had to deal with? Did Solomon have difficult things that he had to deal with? All of these men and women had difficult things that they had to deal with. But what we see is victory because they trusted in God. And so for us, the application, I think, to this point in our Bible classes is that very simple point. Do we have difficult things that we have to deal with? Sure, we do. Does the world try to convince us that the things that we have to deal with are at times impossible? They try to do that. But with God, nothing is impossible. And there isn't anything, anything, that is too big for him. And so like Daniel and Moses and Esther and David, if I can give God my everything in my worship, as the middle school class have talked about, if I can give God my everything in my life, in my study, I can walk through this life, as scary as it may seem, with utmost confidence, courage, bravery, and I can stand. And for me, even though 13 different classes, lot times however many classes we've had, to me that's the big takeaway. And so I think it's interesting for us to take a moment here in the midst of our studies to get all on the same page, to know that all of us, although we're in different places biblically and different places in the building, we're still studying from the same book about the same God, ultimately about the same things. 
And it is a powerful thing for a group our size, spread out in the building as we are, but knowing that ultimately we're making a lot of the same points. So I appreciate you being here tonight, taking just a second to think back on your class. I hit at some point the class you're in, every single one of you, to think about your class, to be excited about what is to come, but for all of us to be thinking about that together. As we're about to close our evening, Mark is going to lead us in one more song, and after that song, we'll be led in prayer and be dismissed.